What's up, fellows? See, you thought I wasn't gonna come back, right? You thought, oh, she's forgotten us. She can't come back. She, she's too far gone. She has left us behind, but no. No, they said I couldn't do it. The haters, they said I couldn't do it, but I did. And I am back. I'm back, everyone. It's Stay Positive with your host, me. And oh, feels good to be back in the chair, right? Same old chair. Got it from Wayfair. What I love, they are not a sponsor. What I love about this is, um, well, so we got a new, I, I we, got, we got a new studio, guys. The, the network got us a new studio. Just kidding, I, this is just still in where I live. But I did change rooms and I got this little multicolor light thing, which is a fun, it cycles through different colors, everyone. For those of you on audio, I'm holding up a little lantern-like thing that cycles through different colors. And it's very cool. It, it feels very, um, very gamer. Like if I was a gamer and I had a gaming room, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Stop asking. Just as a heads up, this episode's gonna have like a little bit more intro than some of the other ones. So if you wanna skip to the interview, you can. But I think the intro is fun. And it's also a little preview that I'm probably gonna be doing more solo episodes. So, you know, if you hate it, fuck, there's gonna be more. Yes, I know I was gone for a while. I can't remember exactly when my last episode was, but I think it was a little under a year ago, maybe April of last year, I don't even know. But you know what happened? A couple things, a couple things happened. Obviously pandemic, still happening. That was already going on when we were still in session. Um, so that happened. Then then I got I got all the vaccines, all the jabs, um, including the booster most recently. But I think initially, remember when that remember how fun that was when we first got the vaccine and it was like, oh, we're back. Oh, we can the, the world is our oyster, we're immune. So that was around what, March, April of last year, 2020. 2021. Oh man, my precious soul, how sweet and tender I am. So yeah, back in like March, April, 2021, probably around the time when this podcast kind of um, quit it, when, when it stopped for a minute, I, you know, was like, oh yeah. And so I went to Florida, <laughs> duh, first place I went. No, but I did go to Florida. Um, I saw an awesome wrestling show, you know, shout out to AEW. I was like ringside fucking right up against wrestlers like there was a wrestler that came up to our seat and I was like whoa yeah I didn't I am in the video <laughs> okay um and you know there you know nobody was wearing a mask I was wearing a mask but at the time it just I think everybody was like we're good you know we are vaccinated and this is the whole thing we were waiting for then of course new strains we had delta bam um I was still kind of out and about but it was like huh okay well hopefully it's all right and then omicron of course and then I locked the fuck back down. And a lot of that too was to do with the fact that I had a very exciting family thing happen. Hold your applause. Um, let's just say, <laughs> it's really not me. It's So my sister and her husband had a wonderful bebe together, adorable sweetie pie. And listen, we knew, we knew who was coming, right? That's the thing about babies. They grow inside the belly, the womb, sorry, um, for like up to nine months. And so we were kind of anticipating, oh, it's gonna happen in December. Then he came a little early. It was October 31st, Halloween baby, a little little pumpkin uh, erupting from, <laughs> ew, little pumpkin erupting from its sack. And you know, just a blessing. I love it. 
I, I gotta, I'm gonna talk about it. You know what I mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about it. Here's the thing, a couple things. I've never really dealt with a baby before, obviously, because I'm the baby. You know what I mean? Like I have always been the baby, um, even within my extended family. So of course I only have an older sister, so I'm the baby of my family. Also my parents are older than me, weird. And then my cousins, my first cousins, all of them on both sides of my family were older. So I was always the baby. Then one of my cousins had a baby when I was like on the younger side. So that was amazing, shout out. Um, and you know, that was kind of the first baby I saw, but I was still young, so I don't really know. And then this is kind of like the next baby, though we've had other cousins have babies. This is kind of the first baby that I'm like closest to. And what a fun time. You know, first of all, he was a preemie. So part of the problem is like with the pandemic is like, we don't really know how preemie immune systems work with the Omicron or BA2 or whatever cool new strains coming out, you know, whichever one they're rolling out next. And for me personally, I'm not going to try to like, yeah, well, not, sounds like I was, but also it's like, we as a family don't want to like test out these cool new strains on this baby's immune system and be like guinea pig for that. So we're just being very safe. So I'm going to locked back down, you know, taking a lot of PCR tests up the nose, just a lot of Q-tip swabs, uh, about an inch up the nose, right? You did take them a little bit up the nose. You do 15 to 30 seconds if you're a good, good boy. And um, yeah, I'm getting my negative results. And so far, knock on wood, I mean, I've been lucky. I haven't had Omicron, COVID, Corona, whatever, you know, pick your poison. But, um, but man, another fun thing about this baby so A, I hadn't dealt with a baby before, you know, and I was a little like, oh, I mean, there are part, parts of me that I was always worried as a, as a youngest child, like, if I were to have another younger sibling, like, I think I'd, I'd probably have to fight them, you know what I mean? I probably, we'd have to battle it out for resources, you know, so I really didn't want that to happen, and it didn't happen, so all the, all the wishing and praying worked, you know, no, but uh, I, so then when this baby came into the picture, of course, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I haven't even thought about, you know, I always assumed I wouldn't get along with babies because I never even considered them not as competition for resources, you know. Um, but this baby, obviously, I love, I love, you know, I've gotten to do all the fun things like, like feed the baby the bottle and um, burp the baby and um, play, play with the baby. Um, and it's, it lives up to the hype, you know what I mean? Hmm. That being said, and, and also my sister is just such a natural, so good with the baby, so cute. So many good pics, so many good photos, lots of WhatsApp sharing, family stuff. But okay, here's what the big question is, right, for, for the listeners out there who maybe might be considering having their own baby, their own BB. Uh, yeah, does it, yeah, I don't, I mean, or you, ha or you have one. This isn't for you. If you have one, you know, right? I guess what it is, is it's like, the fun thing about being a younger sibling is you really get to kind of test drive life through your older sibling. So Melissa, my, my older sister, who was on the podcast, check it out episode. I'll insert the number later. Um, you know, she's kind of gone through life uh, taking the hits for me. You know what I mean? First things first, when, when she was in elementary school, she said she didn't know life went beyond sixth grade. And then who do you know? She went to seventh grade right? But she had to be the pioneer to break down those barriers versus me. I, I knew there was life beyond sixth grade because my sister existed. So by the time I was in seventh grade, I was like, there's a seventh grade because Melissa's in seventh grade, you know? Not only that, college, right? I get to see my sister go through the application process. So I had a much better understanding of 
of, oh, I see. So we got to take those tests and you got to write those essays, you know, and then, and then you go when you actually go to college, that's, that's a thing that happens, you know, all these things I got to experience through my sister's eyes first, and then later follow in her footsteps. So, you know, and I mean, this could be good or bad, right? I, I certainly had teachers who were like, Melissa was really good and you're kind of, what are you doing? Why are you reading in my class or doing some extra shit that has nothing to do with this? Anyway, definitely ran into some problems too, but mostly good, right? Now comes along this baby. And the fact is, it's true. Again, I must say, I get to kind of see, oh, what is motherhood? What is parenting? What is birth? My sister had a C-section. What is C-section? What is baby? You know, all these things I kind of get to see up close and personal without having to have the responsibility. You know, I come home, right? I hang out, we have a little bit of fun. I did stay over there for a few days. Very thank you for letting me stay. Um, but you know, of course I was able to return home and be like, okay, well, send me the good vids. I'll be asleep, you know? And I think that's, you know, that's what auntiehood is all about. And I must say the big news is that I'm going by a ye which is uh, auntie in, I mean, it's definitely auntie in Cantonese. I don't know if it's auntie in Mandarin. I thought going in, and this is the case with me and a lot of Chinese words with my family and Japanese words, honestly, too, because, you know, I'm fourth generation, so there's been a lot of removal between us speaking these languages fluently, which we used to speak as a family, right? Um, there's been many, gener oh, just hit my little prop, whew. This new studio, you gotta break it in. Uh, but yeah, so so with certain words, I actually would think and attribute them to a language when it wasn't the tr wasn't what it was, or I just didn't know the definition. I remember my dad would say gesundheit a lot, gesundheit, you know, after you sneeze. And I thought, well, my dad's Japanese, so obviously that's a Japanese word because it ain't an English word. It turns out it's a German word. Okay, so I was wrong. But a yi, I thought for so long it was like a specific auntie. I thought it meant my sis, my, what? I thought it meant mom's younger sister because oftentimes in, in well specifically in Chinese there's there are a lot of like specific familial titles which is cool because kind of in English we're just like auntie uncle and that could be like your mom's cousin that could be your mom's brother you know it doesn't really they don't distinguish other than like gender I suppose so um I thought this was a very specific mom's younger sister so I was like oh I want that one uh it turns out it's not I think that's another word um but this is kind of the gener generic auntie I don't know correct me if I'm wrong honestly I know nothing. So that's been fun. That's the big family update. And I got to say, huge fan, huge fan of that update. Um, getting to preview the mother thing is interesting. And, and yeah, I haven't, I think that's the reality. So my conclusion is haven't made up my mind yet. And I think I thought once I saw all of this, I'd be right away either. I thought I'd be all the way. Yes. I thought I'd see the baby and be like, oh, one of those, give me one of those. I'll do it. You know, honestly, there's nothing against this baby. I think of anything, this baby makes it like, ooh, but I already, but that baby's pretty cool. So I don't know, maybe I could just kind of hang out with that baby, you know? That baby's here already, you know what I mean? So that's maybe what it is. Maybe this baby is too cute that it displaces future babies. Hmm, something to think about. It's an interesting form of birth control, right? Babies that are already too cute, they take up, they take up uh, the cuteness allotment and you go, yeah, I'm good actually. I don't need to, I don't need to keep making those. That's that's a good one. I like it. The pie chart of babies. I guess it, you know, it is, it's, uh, what do they say? Scarcity of resources when it comes to cute babies, right? You only have enough love for, <laughs> you have limited love for cute babies. All right. 
So, okay, finally we have the guest. And the guest, I'm gonna, I, I, you already know because it's in the title of the show, but um, he's from the Stevie Weeby show and I actually got to do his podcast not too long ago. So please check that out. We talk stand-up on that and it's a lot of fun and he's fun and yeah, I, I had a good time, okay? I had a good time. So as a result, I was like, oh, hey, maybe this is a good opportunity to ask him onto my show and then kick off the show with his interview because he's got such a great podcast presence. Um, not only does he do the Stevie Weeby show, he also does Scissor Bros with uh, Jeremiah Watkins, also a hilarious comedian. Stevie Weeby is a comedian. He is a podcaster. He's a musician. Um, you might know his music. Check out that as well. And, he, and we talk about that. And he has um, a lot of fascinating stories just because he's kind of done so many different things. Um, we also talk about his wrestling career, which is interesting. I'm always fascinated about, uh, I think, people who grew up doing sports. I think that's a, a huge part of American culture is um, doing sports in high school, elementary school. Um, but because of my experience doing a sport that I just always felt was like, why, why was I doing basketball when I was like at least 50% smaller than everyone? than the next person bigger than me in my grade who didn't even play basketball? Um, because of that part of my personal history, I always just am, you know, interested in it. I think I think we both learned a lot from it. And Stevie in particular was not just like a wrestling player in his high school. He was like a state champion. So that's also a whole nother aspect of it in wrestling, right? But finally, here's the interview with Stevie Weeby. And then shout out to Stevie Weeby for being on the show. Thanks for doing Stay Positive. Yeah, any, any, anything you want, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I like to be prompt. Awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're you're here. You're 10 minutes early. You could have been 20 minutes early, but I wasn't even ready. Oh, yeah, I could have. You could have yeah, done this I, hours ago. For me ago. personally, because <laughs> I know how guests can be like, you know, because I've tried to reach. I've tried reaching out to guests in the past and some of them don't return, you know, your 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 message to the message right away. So uh, sure. with me, I, I try to jump on it and be like okay i'll do it i'll do it yeah oh incredible yeah you were very prompt and i was very happy See? thank and, you thank you and also when i went to do your podcast i mean it was clear you're on it you know you have your setup yeah, i mean people liked it did you have a good time i had a great time on your podcast thanks for having me on the stevie weeby show anytime plug. you're always welcome oh man what a joy you're always welcome great setup mm -hmm. you got there too i i enjoyed the uh yeah. which the backdrop you see which all you're the... enjoy you still have <laughs> yeah yeah it kind of looks like a dormitory like but i'm not in college anymore so no i think it's a good but aesthetic always, to keep yeah i kind of kept that um i guess a man cave skateboarding mu musical aesthetic yeah it's good <laughs> do you feel like that's yeah. something you intentionally kept or is that something that you sort of accumulated from just what you like oh no it was based off of fear <laughs> yeah i, I <laughs> because... love that admission right away yeah based off of fear because yeah, when I decided to do a podcast, um, it was out of fear because I, you know, I was in a band, uh, still am with uh, called Mongchi with David Cho, Money Mark, and a couple other great people. Amazing shout out. Uh, we had we we're doing a, a Steve Aoki, you know the DJ. Yeah, heard of him. <laughs> yeah, he brought our band out to do a show at uh, Fashion Week mm -hmm. in New York. Oh, cool. That, and that in itself was a weird experience because we had to perform. It, imagine performing at like Devil Wears Prada, right. like an event like that. Like a runway. Was there a catwalk with, with yes. models and stuff? Yeah. I mean, New York yes. Fashion Week, that's where fashion goes to be itself. I have no idea what the log line would be, but no, it no, seems no, like you the hit spot. It right on the right? bullseye. It was, it was a fashion show, but it was even weirder because. There is these skateboarding ramps. Oh. They ha we had to perform on top of these ramps. 
And so they hired skateboarding actors or professionals to be skating while the band was performing. And then afterwards, uh, he presented his new clothing line, uh, uh, Dimmock, I think oh, was the name yes. of it. Dimmock Clothing. So he came out as like this Christ figure where maybe he was even wearing a robe. I don't know, but he was like, <laughs> like he bowed to them. Oh, and good, good. It was really weird. I mean, so yeah, he's got the add, Jesus look already with the hair and everything. Yeah, and then he has that vibe. Like, people really worship him. I see, yeah. Shout out to Stevie Aoki. Yeah, yeah. He'll hopefully um, be listening. He's doing his thing. <laughs> um, so after the, so we did that show. We had an additional show outside of the fashion show. But on the uh, plane ride back to LAX, uh, I had received an email notification from uh, uh, Dave's manager saying, um, yeah, we're we're – done with the band oh wow mm -hmm. and that was like my bread and butter at the time yeah so i had to figure out what i was going to do and i was i was on the airplane and i i don't know why i thought of it but i'm like oh i'll just do a podcast yeah so i turned to money mark and i go hey mark if i start a podcast will you be my first guest and then he 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 accepted yeah Oh wow! So right then and there, immediately you you had your next project. That's pretty. That's well, I made quick. a conscious decision. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I made you a conscious created decision your next to do that. Uh huh. Yeah. But see, you know, I mean, I feel like there's normally like a mulling period or a mourning period after something dies. You know, a sense of like. Oh, oh yeah, no, and I've, I've dealt do? with that too. Yeah. yeah. What, you know, with my father and everything. That was oh, that well, was actual a whole, person died. Yeah, too. that was yes, a real, real oh, mourning. Man. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I mean, and I'm sorry about your dad again. I, I oh no no, no. Sure it, it's, it's it's a part still, of life. It's I'm a sure. life cycle. It, yeah, but we we look like family right now. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I I take that as a compliment. You could probably pass as my sister if I had a sister. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to be a Lee sister. That'd be very fun. I have some family members with the last name Lee. So who knows? Really, Maybe we are related. Oh, what's your ethnicity again? I know uh, I asked yeah, you. Chinese and Japanese. So. Not Korean, unfortunately. But you know, I have ten percent blood. Right, you did Japanese say you took blood. A, you took a test. Ten percent Japanese blood. Yikes! Uh huh. How do you yeah, feel about Yeah, my brother that? took um, a DNA. You know, like one of those new right. businesses where you can submit. Yeah, DNA whatever. Thing, uh -huh. place. Yeah. So we were in Hawaii, and he had found out the results. Keep in mind, for context, Koreans have a lot of pride in being Korean and being 100% Korean. Yeah, Korea, Korea, as you should. Uh -huh. So when we had found that out, my brother showed us uh, at the hotel, and uh, I thought it was actually cool. I'm like, oh, because I have Japanese homies. I got Chinese I got homies. I got. Right. I, I have a lot of different Asian homies. Yeah. And so I don't have the history that my mom and dad had had being from Korea. Right. But when my mom found that out, like, she freaked out. She was trying to backtrack the history, the lineage, and all that shit, you know? I'm right, sorry. Right. I won't curse anymore. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that totally makes sense. I think it's, like, part of your identity, right? And then when somebody tells you, hey, by the way, this thing that you kind of took as fact, 10% of it is, like, yeah. the enemy, right? I mean, that can Well, be... you know, yeah. Well, according <laughs> to them, because of the war, you know, the Right, Korean no, war, I know. For that time. World War II, all that enemy. stuff. Uh -huh. But, like, we're not from that generation. You we're know? not. I don't and know I mean, happened. I'm half Chinese, half Japanese, where technically, you know, they were enemies, of course. But and even in my parents. Oh, that's right, because they occupied parts of China as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, as well, yes. And, um, even, you know, even my parents didn't necessarily 
think in that way because they had been, I mean, I'm fourth generation, so they had been removed from that even within their families. So like my Japanese ancestry was here in the camps, you know, so yeah. they weren't doing the occupy, they weren't part of the bad guys. The occupation. I have to, I feel like I have to, yeah, put that out there for my no, uh, no, Korean American guest here. But 10% Japanese guest. Uh-huh. So are you, is your mother Japanese or which one? Uh, is yeah, which? mother is Chinese, dad is Japanese. Oh, okay. Fun times. Um, have you been to Japan? Mm-hmm. Did I, I yeah, we did talk about it briefly, but I only went okay. once. So I didn't have a lot of insight, but I know you, well, what What about you? How? No, I want to, that's, you I've been to go. Korea several times. But you've been to, okay, got it. But I would love to go to Japan, like Tokyo, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I think. I heard it's, um, it's the future over there. I want to check that out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can one of these days, you know, when yeah. everything clears up. I, um, yeah, I mean, I think what, uh, what's interesting about, I think, now, though, is it does feel like there's more of, like you said, there's more of the Asian homies. We're kind of across the board, like this more pan-Asian thing oh, in yeah. America, right? Do you mm-hmm. feel like that's changed over the past few, I don't know, decades? Or what do you think? Um, absolutely. Because, you know, we're both, I grew up in San Diego and you grew up somewhere on the East. Where yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm out here oh. as well. I grew up in La Cunada, California. Oh yeah. That's right. That's right. So we, you know, just, uh, were there a lot of Asians in your high school? There were a lot of Koreans. My okay, first yeah. boyfriend, well, Korean. Well, right. So, um, my high school, because this was Poway, didn't yeah. have a lot, but the ones that were there, like I was homies with. God, it got it. Yeah, I band so, together in in the Poway streets. Uh huh. Yeah, even my neighbor um, Van Young, um, he was Chinese, and we he was on the wrestling team too, so we were close. Oh right, yeah, you wrestled. Yeah, I wrestled. Uh, yeah, quite star. extensively in the San Diego section. Yeah, in the nineties. Yeah. What what was what was happening? Paint the picture. Were you? You know, I fighting was a, the kid I was on the, the lowest weight class back. It was sixty five. <laughs> oh, you're pounder. just a t- uh, yeah, yeah. That's good. They needed the a little guy. You need the little guy, yeah. So this guy, I think his name was Brandon Weetek. Uh, shout out to Brandon. I don't know if he's going to watch the interview. <laughs> <laughs> he will. He I might, he get might him. not. I don't know. Don't we'll see. Uh-huh. He mentioned that hey, we need a little guy. You got to show up to the gym. <laughs> nice. And so I literally had no training, but I guess. Ex- uh, like my instincts kind of took over just I don't know I won I don't know how I won but I won and the wow. high school coach happened to see that match mm. so like, I'm a little a guy uh-huh. and he he took note of me so once the coach has you in his grasp you're 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 gonna be on his radar right right he's gonna start cultivating that wrestling power I like that word yeah he did kind of cultivate that uh progression that That's a lot of pressure of... too, though. I mean, I can understand that being kind of fun because you're like, fav- you know, it's like you have this superpower that you weren't sure of before you didn't even know you had. But then I like that you brought that up. Tough. I like the way you worded that. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of like it is kind of like superpowers because of the technique involved. Mm-hmm. Like people think of wrestling like WWE or WWF. Right, right. It's not like that. It's, it's a real combat it's a real thing. You need technique. There's rules. There's a point system. So as a kid, you know, you're, you have to learn the basics, which I, you start on your feet. So there's the takedown aspect. There's the escape aspect. And there's the riding aspect as well. I see. I, I could you, see that being very useful overall just for like, do you feel like it factors into self-defense at all? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Not right. only self-defense, okay, um, uh-huh. even in MMA, the mixed martial arts world, mm-hmm. pre- it's predominantly a lot of it's wrestling. Okay, yeah. It seems like it has it's similar in the style of just like you got to take down this guy. And I, and I do feel, okay, so here's where I'm coming from when I bring that up because I feel like, so I played basketball in high school and I played it from second grade to 10th grade. So it was like I was starting and very quite young, but I was also very, in the, actually in the Japanese leagues out here. And you know what was, for me, I was tiny. I was always the smallest person in my class by a lot, like half the way to the next kid up, you me know? Too. Yeah, yeah. So we're, you know, clearly not cut out for your typical sport, but basketball especially, I was small, I was short, and I was very, you know, skilled at ball handling and all the things, and I was smart at whatever strategy, but to me, I knew there was no future. Like, it was like a very strange thing that I pursued for so long, knowing that I couldn't really get much skill out of it. Like, I couldn't even get self-defense out of it, right? Or MMA. Like, I w- it was just basketball. Yeah. And basketball, you know, you're in shape, so that translates to something. But you're really not, like, learning a skill that could, like, benefit me later on. So now, when I look back on it, though, I still feel like it gave me, you know camaraderie with friends that I still know today and right. teamwork mentality and like, you know, the, the sense of working towards something uh, physically, which I wouldn't have had otherwise. But right. I can imagine, I mean, luckily wrestling has some more direct skills, but like, did you have other things where you're like, I'm so happy that I push myself at that age or, or not because I could see it being also very damaging? Well, yeah, it was damaging in the sense where <laughs> Um, there's a lot of pressure as far as when you make it outside of the section, like San Diego section. Other states have different type, like three or four different state tournaments, but California only has one. So it is a huge state, as we all know. Yeah, and you got to beat so, all those other little kids. <laughs> yeah, so if you win the California uh-huh. state championship, you're you're a badass. You're like, right, you right. know, you You've really won state. Thing. Yeah. So then did you uh, have to do all that shit where you got to like sweat out your water weight? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. God. I was that wearing plastics like um, and yeah. I was running up mountains. Yeah, it's a, it was oh, a whole, it was, it was horrific. It's a lot. Um, but I was but, ranked second uh, in the state my senior year. Oh, yeah, you did. So in wow, California, that's I was ranked crazy. second. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was ranked second in my You got those trophies? Division. I have medals at home. My mom, nice, I have, they have, she yeah. has the medals at home in, in Arizona. <laughs> I but, love um, uh-huh. I What ended up happening, I, w- I did well in the, the previous tournaments, uh, CIF and Masters of the San Diego sections, tournaments, but every time I went to state, I choked. Then let me add to that. So when I choked my senior year, I didn't even place. All the guys that had placed top eight, because I think they, they give, yeah, they, it's the top eight, the, those are the All-Americans. All, all those guys I had beaten throughout the year, like oh, earlier shit. on the year, like I had beaten all those guys that have placed, that had placed. Mm-hmm. So I remember vividly watching the, you know, the award ceremony and from a distance in the stands and just a sense Oof. of just grief and depression and sadness just entered my soul. Oh, man. And that's when that. uh, after that I got into you know, partying like weed and drinking mm. beer. And basically I became an alcoholic. Got it. Yeah, I mean, it. you got to cope somehow. But yeah, I, I, that, that's painful. I can feel that, you know, because I feel the same thing. We, we can't help but, like, I, I feel this way about accomplishments sometimes. We want to achieve things, right? Like yeah. Like you want to win state. But of course people, things happen. 
You can't be winning all the time. And then people will catch up to you, right? Or you'll like lose against that guy that you beat the first time. Are you like that person that you thought you were funnier than gets the thing or the, you know, like the thing that you auditioned against for some person you want it one time. And then the next year that guy gets it the second time. And you're like, well, shit, I thought I had already passed that point, but it looks like that was all for nothing. You know, I think that, that like the concept of just like, oh, you win and you're the best that's an yeah. upkeep. Like we have to keep working at that, and that's frustrating because oh, yeah. I would and love in to hind- just in hindsight. Yeah. In hindsight, I'm glad that it happened because there's not a big future. At least back then, there wasn't a big future for wrestling at the time. Like, sure. like if let's say let's let's play devil's advocate. Let's say I had won the state tournament. What do I do next? I could I could wrestle in college, right? Maybe try to become an All-American, wrestle for a prestigious state or, uh, or a university, college. But then even after that, what do you do? You, you could either coach or, right. you know what I'm saying, or wrestle internationally. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of sports are like that. Yeah, I just feel like a lot of sports, especially high school level, there's yeah. so many that get funneled into college that like, you know, a fraction of those make it into college, a fraction of those but make it pro. I'm glad you and brought that up. But sport even in, isn't even pro. Uh-huh. Even in college, if you're playing basketball, at least you there's a chance you could, you know, go to the NBA or something. Right, or, right. Like, But in wrestling, yeah. there's none of that in wrestling. You can't, you right, could either right. coach wrestle freestyle greco-roman internationally and that's about it right that's not a, it's not like a career sport in the same way i mean i felt the way the way about basketball even though i didn't even make it to my varsity team i was just like you know it's interesting thinking like in high school we're training to go to college at least you know i felt like i was like okay well i have good grades so then i can get a good job but it's like this basketball shit like what am i going to be playing the nba i can't even that would have been amazing know, though even Imagine if, even if i play in the wnba the it's not good yeah, even but like for Ian and for women, it's like even if you make it to a pro level, you're not getting paid shit, you know. So it's mm-hmm. not as big of a payoff. But to make it that far, you'd have to be the best out of millions of people. Anyway, sports man. But here's okay. So I'm trying to kind of paint the picture of Stevie Weeby, you know. And so we have your wrestling beginnings, which sound, I mean, it sounds like it really crafted somebody who can, uh, who knows the high highs and the low lows. Oh yeah. I don't know. Is that a good way to put? <laughs> yeah, per, that, yeah, yeah. You okay. know, I, I, I kind of gained some positive uh, characteristics. You know, like a hard work, uh, dedication, loyalty. Uh, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but then I, I've, I've always been disciplined, but I've gotten lazy over the years as well. But I get my stuff done. Um, mm. but uh, I was always into music and stuff like that, and uh, so I, I. I actually started pursuing that on like a local Arizona uh, level when I w- attended ASU. I'd go to these shows. Uh, you know, I'm a big avid, you know, like the poster behind me, like, a, you know, I, I love like A Tribe Called Quest, Beastie Boys, The Far Side, Boogie Monsters, um, Wu-Tang, Clan, Wu-Tang Clan, like you name it. Like I, I, I got into that. Diggable Planets. I got into like um, a certain specific genre of hip hop. Um it's kind of hard to explain because now it's so there's so many subcategories of rapping, like the sure. trap music. But back then it was, you know, we uh, some of my favorite recordings were from like that I would hear from my favorite acts or musicians were from like a tape four tracks or whatnot, like hmm. four tracks, eight tracks. So there's a local scene in Tempe, Arizona. So I used to go to these shows 
And then I started trying to record. I met a group of other you know, musicians and rappers and DJs, and I try. I got into that as well in Arizona. Yeah. I was basically thrown into a rap group uh, called Rising Sun, and we had made a tape. And then years later, then I met uh, other groups of a lot of other Asian artists as well, uh, other rappers and DJs, and then I became a part of that. But uh, yeah, it was just something. It's something that just kind of fell in my lap. The first group, I was the only Asian. It was like all black dudes and then one little little Asian guy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. they, yeah, have you seen um, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom? Oh yeah, yeah. So you're him. What, what did they you're call the dude? little guy in that? The Asian. Uh, guy? Yeah. What's that guy's name? Short round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. So that was you're my short nickname, round. Uh-huh. Short Round. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So we That's had the one recorded other a tape. <laughs> Promenade. Did a couple local shows. We even performed at ASU in a like a some kind of rec hall oh, wow. place. Yeah, cool. So we did that years later. Then I met um, some other uh, peeps. Uh, shout out to my man Ohm and Mestizo. Uh, they're they're artists mm-hmm. as well. And uh, so I we continued that tradition. But by then, uh, can I grab the machine where um, I actually? Uh, this yeah. is the first machine that I got. Hold on. Ooh, show and tell. Love it. Yeah. Coming ready with the, with the props. Oh, so this is the nice. uh, machine I bought at ASU off my friend uh, Ken from New York. He was a DJ, and this is what you would call a sampler. Mm-hmm. So, so the way it works is you could even put batteries in the back of it, double A batteries. But the way this worked was. Um, you know, a lot of old producers uh, back in the day, this is what you would call a sampler. So on one, you know, there's eight buttons on each button. You could sample whatever you wanted. So um, I, this was a this was a there's a learning curve as well with this. Um, so on one button, you could get the, the, the beat por- portion of the beat, like the break beat. And on mm-hmm. the other buttons, you could do, like find jazz samples and stuff. And so you would collage. It's like a collage machine. You could, right. you would sample, then make your own collages on it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I feel like I've seen things, the, the like updated versions of that. Too. Oh no, but this the this same you, you can't vibe, find right? this anymore. This is a old. Well, this is a old. This is like a dinosaur. Thing, but bone. yeah, yeah, a sampler type. Yeah, thing. from our, like yeah, a yeah. T Raptor's uh, butt or something. Yeah. Good. This good. is a old artifact nice thank you yeah thanks for bringing nowadays you don't even need this it's all in on one computer program you can just sample stuff but this is where (laughs) i learned how to make beats this thing i'm gonna i'm gonna like you got you got the visual right Oh yeah, got okay. the visual. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to set it down. But yeah, that's that's great. The Museum of Stevie. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I just thought thank it'd be interactive. I, you know. Oh, it's oh yeah. No, you're nah, yeah, yeah. It is interactive. So, that's the most interaction. Yeah. Well, podcast. I wanted to give you context because a lot of people, yeah. they, it helps if you give them visuals. So that thing, mm-hmm. my friend in a different dorm, he was a DJ, uh, a Japanese dude from New York, bigger fella. Shout nice. out to to Ken. He went by DJ Yellow Jacket. So he he kind of presented like, hey, if you go, if you want, I could sell this for you too. He gave me the homie discount, like two hundred bucks or something. Um, oh, yeah. And so I had a. He didn't even know. He didn't really use it that much. I had to learn on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So self taught. Mm-hmm. All the things you got to be as an independent artist. Yes. Yeah. So what? So now with like, cause you you and you continue to do music, and then we I know spoke about the fact that like 
the band that you were a part of that played at New York Fashion Week ended yeah, up Yeah, that came up. later in life. Uh-huh. Um, okay, okay. You want to hear that story? I mean, if you want to share more details, but I, I would say it's a very, like, interesting inflection point of your story because then you said you... That gave you the impetus to start the Stevie Weeby show and then podcasting, yeah. which is another big chapter, obviously. But, you know, yeah, yeah. It, if you it, have more to share on that. Yeah, well, the way um, I was, um, the way I even got familiar with podcasting was mm-hmm. my brother had, uh, we were going to go get Korean food one night and we were heading towards K-Town and he was checking his phone and he had gotten a text message from david cho shout out to the choster um and yeah. and then he's like dude can you come with me to this thing oh, uh, we, we'll eat after just come with me i didn't even know what it was i was just tagging along so when i got to his his studio uh you know i just wanted to show him respect because i was a fan i still am of his art you know i mean yeah. the guy's the Very guy's incredible. a genius you know i mean the mm-hmm. way he, he you know he paints and does his art. I mean, it's just, it's really amazing what he could produce. But so I had gotten there and I set up the, I shook his hand. I said, Hey, it's good meeting you. I like your stuff. And I was gonna uh, not interrupt them. You know, Mm -hmm. I saw the mic set up. I saw their setup there. I didn't know what a podcast was. I had no idea what it was. Yeah, because, yeah, they had started it quite. No, it wasn't big back then. It wasn't a thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I guess I had set up a chair to put near the the door into the room so I wasn't in their way. And so maybe 15, 20 minutes into it, they, he had called me over like, hey, bring your brother over. <laughs> and so... Guest appearance. Yeah, so accident. Accidentally, I, I, I took part in, uh, I guess you could call it my first podcast experience. Through that, I met people like Money Mark, uh, and one of on one of the podcasts, uh, uh, just on a whim, or he kind of asked uh, the group, uh, "Hey, do you guys want to record music sometime?" And we were like, "Yeah." So from that moment, we rented out a huge kind of like, imagine going to like, like Boy Scout camp or something in like a log cabin. Like he had rented a place in Big Bear, California. <laughs> It was mm. immaculate. Like there's different mm-hmm. ca- log cabins, and he had rented like uh, I guess you would call it an Airbnb now, mm-hmm. but he had rented yeah. this for like a week, a week and a half. We recorded music there. Cool. So that's when the whole idea of Manchi came about, and um, it was weird because I was working at the sandwich shop Fat Sal's at the time. Oh yeah, big so, Fat Sal san- fan. Here. Yeah, Fat. Yeah, you've had their sandwiches. Had their sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Quite a few. What, the Fat Texas? Uh, Fat Texas, yeah. I think that's probably my favorite one. The one with the mozzarella cheese sticks and the pastrami? Yeah. And the barbecue sauce? French fries are in there. Yeah, so so you know there's French fries in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of obvious. I worked there. Well, that's great. So, yeah, you probably composed many uh, Fat Texases. No, Um, No, no, I worked. I was the milkshake guy. Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, I was the Bruce Lee of Uh milkshakes. (laughs) Oh, got it, got it. So I wash dishes, I uh-huh. bag meat, I make the milkshakes, I work the mozzarella cheese stick fryer. I did it oh. all. Yeah, so you were essential. You you composed it part was of hard the big work. Texas. Or fat Texas. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah hard. I'm sure. It's, it's so, laborious. So, uh-huh. I mean, it was a miracle I yeah, got that time off. Mm-hmm. But then through me 
you know, working with these people, we had recorded an album. He'd start doing artwork for um, the band. And then next thing you know, like, he's asking me if I could become a part-time member on their podcast. And, you know, and so I ended up, you know, like, doing DVD essay, like, um, you know, as a member, as a, you know, a member on the podcast. A reg. Uh-huh. Yeah, through that, then we started, our first show was in L.A., downtown at a big warehouse. And you know what was surprising about that show? I didn't realize people, this is the power of the internet and podcasting. People mm-hmm. actually, a lot of people came out where it, there was a line down the street. So, oh, yeah. So we and had to do three shows. Through the podcast. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. So we did that recording. Next thing you know, we ha- we're renting like a, 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 a like a, a huge tour bus doing tours and stuff. Wow. That's great. Wait, so then, so was that sort of like, because he, because David did the artwork for the band as well? Is that what you said? So was it sort of like attached to the podcast in some ways? That, the yeah, band project it was, the, yeah, it was affiliated. Uh-huh. Yeah, that it was, it was basically a new thing where, it's kind of genius if you think about it because you already have the fan platform, you know, that are already aware of what you're doing. But then it's kind of like you could they could follow the story of because uh, they they're actually hearing us talk about it on podcasts. Yeah, we'll do this. And then they're following the mm. whole journey. As you yeah, go. Yeah, it's like seeing the band documentary as it's also as recording it's, live. Yeah, yeah. As, as it's progressing. Yeah. Did you find like some of the similar tropes that people talk about about being on tour where it can be kind of lonesome or were you guys like kind of doing one off things where you're all together and it was oh, a lot of fun? Oh, <laughs> we had a tour bus, so we didn't have your regular experience. I mean, we right, had a Motley Crue mm-hmm. tour bus like with bunks. Yeah, yeah. So we oh, had the- got it. So that's like the tour life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Dave hooked that's it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were touring like we were like BTS or something, you know, like <laughs> we were touring like we already made it or something. No, that's great. Well, then did I, is it true that you can't poop on the tour bus? Yeah, because of the, the way the uh, the system of the bus works because of, you know, mm-hmm. it's a tank system. Somebody has to. So clean we it, would. Yeah, we go to truck stops or we would just go to the next destination to do that or at the venue, like during sound check or at the hotel. I mean, that's the thing. He, you know, we were staying. We weren't just sleeping in the tour bus. We oh, got hotel room. I see. I see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, like, you're a full, like, touring band. Oh, we got the red carpet by treatment. By day one. Yeah. <laughs> you That's know, great. It was really awkward that. because uh-huh. we were touring as if we were BTS or a, a group that had sure. made it, but then we'd Why show not? up to the a lot of these venues, like, at these dive bars that will only held 200 people. It, it's just a weird visual of a tour bus pulling up to the smaller venue <laughs> oh right right right. yeah Not the usual type of band to perform there but hey someone's got to do it yeah t- typically I it'd be a van why not you? like it'd be like a shitty right. white van that pulls up sure but yeah, we had yeah, the yeah. we More had like manageable. the whole tour bus yeah we were definitely pampered yeah that's great that's great no i mean that that's that's awesome not many people get to live that life i feel like oh so even, shout out again know. to dave cho and money yeah, and also yeah. all of them they hooked it up <laughs> incredible yeah um okay so i guess getting to the getting to the end of the beautiful rock star story um it did it, it did end. come to an end it, it is like we're on a hiatus but it did come to an end um oh, okay. mm-hmm. 
but then um, it, it was a wise decision, like back after we did Aoki's uh, show, that I did podcasts because now I had, uh, you know, kind of like a like a security blanket where uh, I started, you know, at the uh, as time went, I started building up the platform. Then I started I started doing other podcasts, so that became kind of like my bread and butter as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and what do, what do you think of the what do you think of these phases of your life? Do you find like a thread throughout cuz I feel like it's it seems like, you know, what's nice is you haven't kind of boxed yourself into one thing. I think it's very easy. And even as I am continuing to like I feel like I've always been happy with doing a lot of different things and being a little spread thin, but as I get older, I think there's a little bit of a natural pressure to be like, find your thing and stick to it, you know? And did you have those voices? Like, were people saying that or were you feeling that in any way? Or was it just sort of natural that you're like, I do all these things. I'm going to jump to the next thing. It's not that different. Um, yeah, I could definitely relate to everything you just said there. Um, you know, because even in like the rap world, uh, you know, you, you I used to look up to, you know, people who made it and they even say yeah you need several hustles mm. so yeah by me just on a whim doing the podcast thing it other doors started opening up like uh you know shout out to jeremiah watkins uh you know uh, i started a shout podcast out. called scissor Bro brothers with him and then i'm also doing Check king and the sting so uh and then I, I'm just I just went on uh, I just w got off an airplane. We we uh, now we're starting to do these live podcast events. This Scissor oh, Bros. Yeah, yeah. So we just did, oh my god. Yeah, we just did Jeffersonville um, at Soul Joel's um, in Jeffersonville, Pennsylvania. So it, so it's a new rather new thing, new phenomenon. I, I know other podcasts have done. It's not that new, but we're we're starting to kind of build up momentum doing that oh yeah that's awesome i mean that's the dream i feel like you have lived the rockstar life already though so maybe it's not yeah, as novel to spoiled, you but i feel yeah. like being <laughs> able to all those tour again yeah no but yeah you're you're touring again in another capacity to fans who are coming out to see you lining up around the block again right it's like well not the, the same not thing, like that flavor. we're building our a little cult following yeah we don't have yeah we're yeah. we're building Sure, the, the line, it will grow, but I mean, you just, you know, just uh, close the doors and make them line up outside. It's, and a, then it's the a line new will thing. Longer, it's you know? new because uh -huh. it's a bit weird. I'm still getting accustomed to it because imagine us talking right now. Let's say you were physically here. Right. Imagine when you're here that night doing my podcast, there was mm -hmm. like a bunch of people just watching us Sitting like, there like a deer in headlights or something. <laughs> Right. And I know we did talk a little bit about like that factor, but I mean, have you found that like it's been more natural? Like obviously it's a different dynamic than just you and Jeremiah together in a studio, but you and Jeremiah on a stage, like you maybe pander to the audience a little bit more, you know, like have you found it kind of come naturally? Because I mean, you're a performer. It's probably not too different from live performing music or yeah, live performing stand-up. It's right? similar and different in a lot of ways. Um, the main thing is being comfortable enough where you don't pander to them like all the time like hey what do you guys think about this it's kind of like you need <laughs> sure, a, be too hard you need to a balance engage. where you have to keep because keep in mind they're the people who bought tickets want to see a podcast 
Right. So you kind of still have to do the typical podcasting, but it's kind of a fine line between staying true to that formula, but then mm-hmm. also not ignoring them completely. Right. Because they are there. I mean, have you found that like they'll burst out laughing at something that you guys would usually laugh at, but not necessarily like pause to wait for like a, an audience to laugh at? You That's know? a good question. Well, you know, Jeremiah, because he's so good at crowd work with his stand up. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite yeah. there at all. I'm, I'm I've done music shows like rap shows and uh, I, I dab, you know, I've dabbled in stand up, but not to the extent of him like he's a touring headliner now basically sure. so to answer your question it's difficult for me more so because i'm still trying to get my chops on stage in that s- sense there's a different sensibility when yeah. you're doing comedy or you know because in music right. you can hide behind the music if you if you mess up you can always hide behind the music with a stand-up okay. or a live podcast show there's so much silence and dead air Oh, even still, you feel oh, yeah. there might be some dead air with the podcasting. I mean, I just thought, you know, you guys are bantering. We do banter. You can't fit a word in. No. But yeah, it could be the opposite. Yeah, we are bantering, but he has more better chops because he's used to being in the pocket and sure. being in those scenarios. But <laughs> I'm learning. I'm getting a little bit better. I'm learning. Yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah, of course. I mean, I can imagine that it'll, in no time. In our defense, we do natural. a lot of crowd participation. We do challenges. We have a dance break. We have a cookie oh, donut wow. break. So there is. Lots of engagement. Yeah, on uh-huh. stage. So there's a, there's an aspect of more crowd involved, crowd involvement with the Scissor Bros live podcast. Where, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, uh-huh. where we involve them. I think it should be that way. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, if, I, I don't know. Again, never done it. But I feel like, you know, if you're buying a ticket to go see a live show, it could be fun to be engaged in it more rather than like, you know, they could just get better audio <laughs> listening to you guys at home. Yeah. If they just want to see Steve and, and Jeremiah shoot the shit. Yeah. Right. But if they're coming to your show, like it's fun if they get to be involved a little bit or they get to see something they wouldn't normally see by just listening to a regular episode. Write it I down. Mean, sell it. You just basically <laughs> all in a nutshell. You just said it. But um, right, yeah, you basically, feel free to use that, that a, for your next promo. You know, that was a good review of the whole theme of. Yeah, the topic. this is what you're going to get when you go see a Scissor Bros live. I've noticed that the some of the crowd participants that w- that, you know, come out to these events, they're fans of some of the other stuff we've done. Like there's fans solely there for Jeremiah. There's mm-hmm. fans solely there like Manchi fans that because cool. I saw one of them where there she was wearing a Manchi t-shirt at our our show like a few days ago nice uh-huh. and there's king and the sting fans where cuz i plug it on each of these platforms <laughs> right right and where like, they hey, well, cuz i yeah so it's a uh-huh. mixed bag of people cool yeah i mean that's that's interesting like do you feel like that's i mean how do you feel about that <laughs> is it better or worse I don't, that's actually a good question. I, I, I like it because it's, you know, they're sh- showing support. I just don't know. It's kind of um, not overwhelming. It's just kind of shocking that um, that we're in this time now where all these other things that we have done in the past could help this completely new thing that you're trying to do, but they'll still support it. Right. So it's like more like, whoa, how did you, how'd you know about that? Or. 
Mm. You knew you knew about the band I was in back like over ten years yeah. ago. No, that's cool. I mean, I feel like that's sort of you know, it's like when people like a certain actor and they like them from their sitcom they did, you know, twenty years ago, and you're like, oh, really? That mm-hmm. I'd imagine that person might feel a little like, oh, but what about my new stuff? But at the same time, it's like, well, that is still a part of you, right? It's like that's a part of you that informs who you are, even doing your new stuff, and then they can become acquainted with the new stuff, but. You know. Yeah, we we also implement uh, musicality in our um, live podcast shows. So yeah. e- I'll give you an example. Like uh, we had these two characters, and then we actually wrote a like kind of a rap thing for them. And so we we did add uh, we do add music. Not 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 in the sense of like a like a all music show by any means, but we mm. do kind of try to implement. Like, you know, he has an improv background as well. Let me just add that. I don't right, have right. Uh, improv. He's from, like, these improv groups oh, where sure. he knows God how to it. improvise yeah. and do Get these him out things. of there. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn. No, yeah, I know. I don't have improv background, really. I've taken, like, one class. And it's, yeah, it's sort of a, it's a skill. And I feel like I am oftentimes working with people, especially in a writer's room, who have improv backgrounds. And I feel sometimes like, ooh, that's the skill to learn because it does, you know, kind of help with these, like, coming up with ideas on the Mm -hmm. spot. That being said, I don't think it's something that you can't – I don't think it's something you need formal training for. And you can kind of get the rhythms, right, by just being in that – on the spot with the audience staring at you being like, be funny, Steve. Entertain us. Uh You know what I noticed, too? That's funny. You're bringing up some really good points. Usually when I get the laughs, it's when I'm just being normal and not trying to. Great. Like just just kind of being myself and not like, hey, Got I'm going to say something funny. funny. Please it. laugh. <laughs> no, I, I see what you mean, though. I think that people and you are one of these people so gifted, uh, which is, yeah, you kind of are naturally funny, effortlessly funny. And sometimes what's funny about you might be that you don't think you're being funny in that moment. So to laugh in that thing is like, wow, this guy's being so authentic. Like, yeah. we're not like getting a clown who's just like ready with the punchline. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's no, no, really no. unique. I'm not that I mean, guy. that's in demand, my friend. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I'm not, that's that, more useful than any improv training, you know, right. Mr. Watkins. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, We got to give <laughs> him respect. Just... <laughs> you too. But it, it, on the flip side, uh, you, you brought up some great points. Um, that's why when I am took you know i recently took a shot at stand-up again it was i was in a weird headspace because it's kind of like when you're doing specifically a stand-up show it's like the crowd knows oh he he wants or she wants a lot right i you know what mm-hmm. prove it to me let me yeah, let yeah, me see your setup see. line then then i'll decide whether i laugh it's more of like it's kind of like it's a conundrum because Usually, I don't know when I'm being funny, but uh, but in stand-up, they, they know that you're expecting to be funny and you have sure. to be funny, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the expectations make it tough. But it's also, it depends because I think certain things that are funny in stand-up on stage aren't funny off stage because right. they're also expecting a certain type of stand-up, which is not a normal way people talk and make people laugh. It's very much a, it's very much a clearly stand up way. Not everyone it's a is formula. This way. 
it's a, yeah it's an aesthetic and formula and a certain way to do it right right for the most part yeah i mean of course there are obviously some stand-ups who are very out there and don't follow the formula but there is a formula that people do hear and recognize and there's also a look like i feel like that's why you know a lot of us comics who aren't necessarily you're like uh I don't know, John Mulaney looking kind of like goofy white guy looking thing. You could just say it's you could different. just say white guy. It's fine because <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, white guy. Yeah, prominent, yeah. Wh- prominently, they're white dudes. <laughs> probably they're white dudes, and uh, I mean by default they're goofy looking. So you know that's what happens, and you get to do comedy. Yeah. Um, you know, and you get to say your your observation, and uh, that comes off funny somehow. Yeah. But I think some yeah sometimes sometimes you got to look work a little harder if you're not that expected uh archetype right this is in mini fields but anyway yeah i think but yeah what you're saying is totally uh cool because i think that the fact that you've identified that i think it's tough sometimes as comedians for us to know what makes us funny and like because then as we are pushing to be i want to be john mulaney funny i want to be straight white guy funny and then because that's all i've seen say and then or we mitch hedberg funny against, or right, yeah yeah or specific funny style or, yeah yeah and then we end up pushing against what actually makes us funny while we're doing this in the first place yeah. um so the fact that you've identified that is cool and then oh i wanted to ask yeah how about what about your partnership with jeremiah like how did you guys know hey this is it we're gonna like embark on this journey of doing a podcast with two hosts because that's a very like big undertaking and it worked out clearly but like what you know for people kind of looking for their their partner in crime how did you know well it was just an accident because he had done research uh he had been following bad friends and Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura's podcast i forgot the name of it uh two bears one yeah. cave i think oh yeah 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 that sounds right so on april fools they had they were planning on doing each other's podcast as a joke mm. like i guess bert and tom had decided to go on bad friends on their set and then mm. they were gonna. It was gonna be interchangeable. Swap and pretend. Okay. Yeah, pretend like an April Fool's joke. So Jeremiah had caught wind of that, and just kind of we kind of like forced ourselves into that trajectory. And, and that so, yeah, and that's your launch so, point. So we had named the first episode. They're bad friends, right? That's my brother Bobby and uh, Andrew Santino. They're bad friends. We had made a goof and called that particular episode "Good Friends." <laughs> okay. Uh, there's, I think Andrew's still upset at, at that, but so we, so we did that, and uh-huh. it worked. And then so we didn't stop right. We were, I didn't, we didn't plan on it, but then we had a meeting, and then he's like, "Do you want to just keep going?" And I'm like, "All right, let's keep going." So we oh, obviously uh-huh. changed our names because there was, you know, right, I, I don't want to get close. into the legalities or any of that, oh, but sure. it was too yeah, close. It was too close to the other name, so we just decided uh-huh. with Scissor Bros because. We had done each other's podcast, and then we had made a joke about cutting each other's pubes with scissors, mm. and then so he came up with like, "Hey, we should we're scissor Perfect. brothers," you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolls off the tongue. And so, <laughs> I, and so, I thought that we're, we're approaching fifty episodes now, and not only that, we're doing live shows oh, on congrats. the road. Like we have yeah, several coming yeah. up. Uh-huh. But I thought the reason why I wanted to do stand up again. Is because I thought it'd be a good idea for Scissor Bros as a brand. I don't like talking like that. It's our brand or our platform. Oh, but yeah, I know. Just it's so your audience members know, you know. I'll allow it. <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, I'm a, I love to, you know, kind of dial, uh, what's that? Make my life into a, just a brand and a marketing scheme, you know. It's yeah, very so, romantic. 
Uh-huh. I'm using that language so, you know, people understand what we're talking about. Uh, I thought, oh, sure. well, if I do stand up again, then we could I could we could implement that in our live show. If if a, if a, if a club is looking for that, if we need more time, you know, right. I could do 10 minutes or five whatever minutes, then bring him on. And we could then the other half of the show, we could podcast, do music or challenges or whatnot. Oh, and yeah, so, I think that's sound thinking. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I uh, seven years went by. I just start doing, you know, I did like, I I just start doing stand up. I mean, I try to write. I mean, there are hacky bits because I mean, I, I started out with like your typical like small dick jokes or whatnot, and then and then it Gotta moved on. And I had nine good shows, but then that one show I told you about at the lab, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of like yeah, a wake tough up room, call. as I say. Yeah, improv lab, no, no one likes it. So if that's of any comfort, but yeah, we got to have our bad shows, as I. As I said on your podcast, just black it out. I don't even well, I don't remember. It, many it of was my such shows. a surreal experience and such a painful one because sure. uh-huh. when it can I talk about it a little bit? I know. Oh, I, yes, I, please. Because because I did That's mention you. I just I, mm-hmm. I mentioned I reached out to you because as far as like, you know, relatability and you could relate to it. And um, a thousand percent. Yeah. Eric had a show uh, called Eric Griffin and Friends at the lab. And I, the first that was my first show back. You know, and I had done it and I did it. I didn't kill, but I had a f- decent show the first time. So I thought, oh, I'll just do it again. Yeah. And I was going to, um, you know, and the thing about it is I didn't realize as far as comedy shows, placement is everything. Your placement in the. In the lineup. In the lineup. Sure. Who are you following? Who are you? I had the toughest yeah. spot, I thought, because I was the mm. first guy up. Oh, you're first. Yeah. First yeah. is very hard. Yeah. This is notably hard. Like the host was somebody hosting. He was hosting. Oh, Eric was hosting. Well, he should have done. Did he do like some time up top? But it's tough, too. If it's his show and he's hosting, you know, people come to go see him and they know they know and love Eric Griffin. He's hilarious. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's always hard to go first. Yeah. So he was breaking the ice. But I, you know what? And this is another thing that because I talked to Jeremiah about it, you know, afterwards to process it. Mm-hmm. He's like, did you read the room? Because I told him, like, what bits I was doing. And he's like, ooh, yeah, those weren't good for that room. Oh, what were you, why? What, what was the room and what bits were you doing? I was doing my micro penis jokes, which was already hacky to begin with. So do you feel like the... <laughs> okay. All right. And then you think the room was more of a... They were more of a mega penis room. No, they were just, dude, that's hacky. Get, what else do you they, got? Right, yeah, I, I understand. So yeah, that, I think there's a there's a lot of that. I would say there's a there's a snobbery now in, in many audiences where they kind of feel like they know. Oh, they were snobby. They, they could have been movie critics. Sure, I mean, yeah. A lot of shows out here in LA, you're going to get it, a lot of people who either are in TV or film. Oh. And so I was trying to pay attention. <laughs> to, I should have paid attention to what he was doing in the vibe of the room. That's true. But going up first, too, I would say you don't get a lot of data. You know what I mean? The later you're going in the lineup, you can see somebody else try a one single micropenis joke or another joke that's a little bit less, you know, 
uh, that the room wouldn't like or whatever their highbrow comedy nerds don't like, then you'd be like, oh shit, maybe I should change my set. But see, that also comes with experience, right? Because then you would have a lot more jokes to dig into if you noticed, hey, you know what? I'm kind of feeling like these guys aren't going to like my micro penis stuff. Let me switch over. Let me talk about. I didn't have much material, Sierra. No, exactly. So I'm saying I, I'm I saying had that, that and maybe one other experience. thing. That's it. Right, so you have to do those I understand, things, Yeah, right? exactly. I understand what you're saying. On. I understand yeah. I, entirely what you're saying and your whole angle on it. Right. But that's all I had, basically. Right, so I'm saying that my angle works with experience, so it's a thing that you couldn't help because you're not fully in with a bunch of years of experience you don't have the same you don't have the same arsenal of jokes yeah to, to like dig i from, know and right? i understand you guys have like different set lists you have your 15 minute set you have your 20 minute set. i mean i'm not set. you have your 10 minute set <laughs> sure people yeah so that's just the thing that comes and that's nothing anyone has over you other than time time experience, and experience you know yeah and that's something you can easily do i appreciate that yeah. I'm still licking my wounds. It'd but- be some. It'd be different. Well, I feel like again, you know, we we talked about this too. But I feel like me and my, you know, many years that I've been doing this. Granted, I'm trying to cut myself some slack because I started a little young, and now three years of it are in COVID. But you know, I even still like I don't have that to lean on. So if I have a bad show, it's like ah, I shouldn't have a bad show at this point, even right. though everyone does. But and it, and there's it's a little a part less of it, to lean right? On. It's a part of the whole thing. It's like. You, you're you're like deciding to play football, expecting not to get hit. You're gonna get hit. You're gonna get hit. Yeah, exactly. I love, got hit. I got that sacked that night. I got. I got. Like, if I was a quarterback, sure. I got sacked that night. Yeah, you, you're dealing with some CTE. Yeah. So okay. he had brought me up. He goes, "Okay, our first comedian. Uh, you know, I do a podcast with him. Please welcome." He didn't even say. And this is another thing. He didn't set me up nice as far as my. He just. He didn't even say Stevie Weeby. He's like Steve Lee. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could yeah. be like uh, it could have been important. Steve Lee at Irvine, the co- you know Irvine University. Like, right, it could right. have just this been an Asian guy. Uh-huh. Uh, Paul Kim, please welcome Paul Kim to the stage. Right, right. So well, I'm just a comedian. He didn't set me <laughs> up nice. I mean, yeah. I love him, but he yeah. didn't. It was he didn't make it easy. <laughs> sure, sure. So I, I walked I think, up there. I think it's always a confluence of factors. It's a lot of things. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. I walked up there, tried my first thing. It didn't work. Tried my second mm-hmm. joke. Didn't work. Try my third joke. Bombed. And then the fourth thing, I'm like, I'm going to get him here. Because on the previous nine shows, this thing definitely Do you say worked. anything? Uh-huh. At that point, though, when it's kind of not working, do you Yeah, go, I like, try to do crowd work. acknowledge it a little bit? I was trying That's to do good. crowd work. But the I guy I picked to helps. do the crowd work, Eric or had already had a weird vibe with the guy. He was like this older mm. Filipino dude. And so on the four joke, when it didn't work, I try to go into the crowd to that guy that wasn't wanting to participate. And yeah. he heckled me. Oof. What did he, he say? He said, and then this is the thing. I didn't even acknowledge it because I had turned my back to him to go try to go to the other part of the room. He, this is what mm-hmm. he said. He goes, because I was talking about like, you know, you know, the micro penis jokes. He, you know what he said? He said, good luck with that. <laughs> What a what a heckle. We don't love it. I don't love it. So he had said that and it's even worse. I didn't know this. I mean, you would have you would have like handled it way different. You would have you would have had come comeback lines or you would have acknowledged it. I completely ignored I that mm-hmm. he even said that. Sure. And that's one way to do it too. I've ignored I've ignored it before too. You know, because I think sometimes it, that can be in your favor if you don't want to like, if it's getting really out of hand, sometimes it's good to kind of move past it so that they kind of shut up. 
Yeah. So it was like a bad dream. You know what it felt like? It it felt like a Twilight Zone episode where the room, like, mm. you know, it was like it just turned everything turns into slow motion, like wow, wow, like it, it was like a or a bad dream, like you yeah. know. And so down. I started to kind of panic, where I started freestyling. I started trying. I got so desperate, and they, 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 they completely knew I was desperate. They felt that energy from me. Oh, sure, yeah. They'll, they they'll knew. They knew they had me. They'll devour you. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, we see your vulnerabilities. Um, the two gals in front. Oh my God! It was. I couldn't even look at them. When I did look at them, they they had their legs crossed like this, and they're like, <laughs> Oh no! Shake no, honey, that's yeah. not going to work tonight. No. What else do you got? Nice. Yeah, that's tough. So they had that. I, I was getting that vibe. But then I just started trying to freestyle because like I'm used to like, let's say in a music show, if I fuck up my lines, I'll just freestyle or come up with something. So I was trying anything and <gasps> everything. Stand up. Uh-huh. I was just coming up with shit like, you know what? I feel like I'm in a Korean spa and, you you know, I you guys are all mad at me. And I, I was just coming up with random shit just to say. Okay. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. I was doing that, and then it was even get it was getting quieter and quieter and quieter. So mm. I think I might have done a minute and a half, or not even two minutes. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And one thing that sure. I was smart about because I I huh. just I, I I took the L. I just yeah. said, "Oh, Gotta okay, uh, that's my time, everyone. Bye." And so I noticed, uh. I had walked. You know how that this the room setup is, right? There's that bar on the yeah, side. Yeah. So I went to the side of that bar, left. and then uh-huh. I try to beeline it up to the green room up there. Okay. And I noticed that the laughs that I did get were only from the comedians because they. That's fun. So uh-huh, it was. They uh, see you, you know a guy named Craig Craig Conant Con Conant. Yeah, yeah, Craig Conant. Uh-huh. Yeah, Craig Conant. Like when I walked up there, he was laughing at me. <laughs> he was laughing with me. I mean, me. yeah. He was laughing they know, with me. Because we're like, la- yeah, because if we see something like that, we've all been there. You know what I mean? So I think there's a sort of laughter of like a, there's a release. There's a like, hey, I see you, man. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. You and know. then he, I go, why we are you laughing? It. It's bad. I, I got defensive. I, at first I got defensive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck are you laughing at, dude? He goes, I'm so sorry, man. I felt your pain. We've just all been right. there. Yeah, we've it all been just, there. Man, you know, and it makes me think about your guys' psychology, the way y'all think about it's it I'm just I'm just assuming that for some comedians love it when other comedians bomb more uh-huh. than if they have a good show. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a competitive nature to it. So sometimes seeing somebody have a really good show might be a little like you start to question yourself. Oh, God, I'm not that good. Does that mean I'm a bad comedian? So that's that's all ego. But then second, I think seeing somebody bomb. Yeah, there's like sort of a camaraderie in it. It's like it's like watching people go through the same hazing you're going through. It's like not a good place to be, but you're definitely like bonded more because we've all been through it. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, you know, the comedian, the female comedian, uh, Violet Jones, uh, she used to be known as uh, yeah, Vanessa yeah. Johnson. She tried to mm-hmm. like, um, kind of console me and, and comfort me. And it, cause she was saying it was almost like oh, sympathetic, <laughs> like kind of like, Oh, <laughs> 
Steve, I'm so sorry. You know what will help is there's an open mic on Sunset. You know, I think it would be really good if you start trying to MC that or do time there. Oh, wow. It's, it's, a, good, it's like a good platform. It it's a good venue. Uh, you know, I'll put a good word in for you. You should start. You know, like she had at least a yeah. solution to what sure. she. It was embarrassing. She had a plan. Yeah, that's yeah, that can also be even worse because you're like, wow, you're really taking pity on me. No. OK, I listen. I think we you, this is great that we talked through this. I think that what I'm noticing already is like a you got off stage relatively quickly, which is respectable. Like, I think that's something a lot of people wouldn't know to do that. And I think what oh, what really? is the right is thing to do thing in that, that situation I did right? is to get off. I think so. Because I think it's it's tough. It's like either you prolong it, but it sounded like you were kind of like, listen, I, I said the jokes I was going to say. I tried to save it with my own improv, but it didn't work. And then you got off stage. And that's all that anybody can ask for, especially the host of the show. You know, I think that like when people bomb on your show, you're kind of like, oh, can you please get off stage so that we can move on from this? And you did. So that's pretty, that's already, you know, you did it. Um but, you know, yeah, we all go through that, and I, I don't want you to linger on it. No, I think no, no. And okay. Can I, can I you know. turn it into a more positive light? Stay positive, you know. You know what we say here. Since that horrific experience, but it wasn't that horrific because I'm looking at it differently. No. Since that yeah. experience, it forced me to get off of those, that material and to write something different, to write new shit. That's great. I think that's what a lot of new material comes from is, like, having – like a shit time on stage and you're just like okay I, I can't be doing this anymore you know it's yeah. it comes out of panic necessity and fear which is what a lot of beautiful art comes from i suppose yeah and, and no, but it sounds like you found it i found a weird way to dig yourself out and i'm glad i, I went through that because I, I i understood like yeah that was the stuff i was it was hacky you know i was like yeah i mean that's just stuff because that's sure. all i could think of i didn't have that much planning there's not a lot of planning involved i just threw myself on stage because i had all these yeah, opportunities where people you know on bigger podcasts are like hey you want to do a set here hey you yeah. could do a five you minute gotta set say here. yeah and i'm like all right i'll do it i just say yes to everything sure no i think that's great i think it's good to you know take those opportunities because that will force you to then write new stuff you know i i mean i i see a lot of my own stand-up as as uh created out of like oh shit i booked this show so i gotta go do that so i better have something ready you know right i think it's it's like i'm rarely somebody to be like all right and then at 8 30 a.m i sit down and write a joke like that is nobody does that. yeah people do but not me um i'm sorry i didn't mean to, I, I didn't mean to yeah. like completely obsess about it or like i don't want to no we don't have to stay on no, it too long i, think... I just i i, I would it would be weird if i didn't bring it up like because we we had oh yeah we had talked about it me and like mm -hmm. I texted you. No, I I'm glad you. you brought it up. Yeah, I uh -huh. said, hey, I, I think I it's a very, the other night. Yeah, I think it's a very relatable thing, even if you don't do stand up, just because it's like, you know, we really put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I can tell that, you know, you are somebody who has like you at least are valuing stand up as something you want to do. And so therefore having a bad show is a bad thing versus I, I can imagine sometimes somebody who has other things going for them might just be like, okay, well then fuck stand up. I'm not going to do that anymore. No, 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 no. I don't have that. Me, right? I don't have that outlook at all. Yeah. I, I, you know what? It, I'm glad it happened in hindsight. I'm glad mm -hmm. it happened because it forced me to get uncomfortable again and be like, you know what? I, mean, I don't know if I want to yeah. approach it that way. Anyway, let me try to write other stuff, you know? And so I, th I, yeah. I think that I think, you know, another thing I didn't mean to like be too preachy, but I think it's good to fail. Oh, if, yeah. you, if you never fail, then 
you can never learn from your mistakes, you know? Like, if you're always hitting home runs, and there's something about that that people can't relate to. If you're always, like, if you're a per that, that means you're a perfect person if you never mm -hmm. fail. So I think it's good to fail because you're forced to feel uncomfortable and to assess what, where you're at in the, that part of your life, you know, and be like, okay, well, what could I learn from it, you know? Yeah, I I stand by that philosophy as well. I think that's it's good to hear from you that I cuz I think it's just something that um I know intellectually that it's good to fail, but it's like very hard to still like open yourself up to that. Like oh, I, it's not I a comfortable experience doing... by any means. It's it, you're right, going to feel yeah. uncomfortable, you're going to feel discontent, you're going to feel like you're a failure, you're going to feel like you're no good, but I think Right. I don't let me let me figure out how I'm going to word this. I think yeah. it could be a good thing to be vulnerable and be to be put in that situation in life in general and throughout your life you need a couple of those moments where you're you have to reflect mm -hmm. and evaluate where you're at because let's say I didn't show up to that and I'd still be doing the micro and then I'd, I'd probably think oh this is sure. the good shit without you know really like examining what you know yeah, a thousand My angle on Yeah, it. it made you think about that. What about, let's bring it all the way back to wrestling. Like, what about when you, you know, choked at that state championship where people were, who you had beaten, got the prize? Like, that technically was a failure at that time. But, like, do you feel like, I mean, say you had won, you know, maybe you would have had to pursue that because you're like, well, I'm good at it. I got to just keep doing this forever. And then you, where would you be? You wouldn't have the podcast. Who knows? You know, you know I'm glad you, I, I like the way you're bringing it all around because I, it's yeah, I not only that, Sierra, it is, uh -huh. um, that specific situation was due to fear. It was because of fear because fear had completely paralyzed me. I mean, Keep in mind, I was a kid and I was in high school. I mean, in, right, in yeah, hindsight, I mean, they should have like more like sports therapists or like, you know, on the yeah. psychological end of competing in high school. I mean, I think that that's valid to, to, to examine that, to have that implemented as part of this, as part of your experience in, in, in the program, whatever sport you're doing. But I'm realizing that, yeah, it's I, it was a fear based thing that happened and through in a way, I learned from that because I'll give you an example. Let's say I had not let fear overcome me at the state tournament, and but I tried my best, but I failed. Mm -hmm. Let's say I got seventh place. I placed, but I didn't get first, but then I wrestled to the best of my ability without fear being a part of the equation, right? So, I, I, so in that sense, it's kind of like throughout life I learned, well – as long as I try my best and I don't l let fear overcome me, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the results. Okay. I'm not in the results business. I'm in the business not of the doing the proper actions, the footwork. Okay? So to answer your question, yeah, it's valid and it's, it all kind of plays into everything because through that failure in high school, even though I was a kid and I was in high school, I learned from it because I'm like, well – I wasn't that wasn't okay because I I let fear overcome me. But at least from this point on, if I can walk through my fear, I'll leave the results to the universe. Or if you're religious or spiritual, I'll leave it to God and let those entities be in charge of that. The results, 
you know? Beautiful. Yeah, that is, that's a really good way. Cause that such an important lesson to learn and it's best to learn it early you know when you are young where the where the results who care you know it's not life or death at that yeah. point so um that's a how long thing. do you but, usually uh record yeah i was gonna probably wrap up okay soon. yeah yeah because i you know to be honest with okay? you, you i do I, I i i whenever you need me i'll show up for you as well Okay. So, you know, I, so, Thank you. And, and that goes Kindly. for you too. I would love for you to, to come back on my platform. Um, oh, would yeah. Love to. You're always welcome. You're always welcome. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I had so much fun being on yours. And before we, uh, before you plug some things too, I wanted to ask, we normally ask guests, you know, what's a, what's a little like tip that you want to give listeners for how to stay positive in life or something that has helped you when you're down? That's such a great question. Um, for me, because I am in a 12-step program because I'm sober. I don't do drugs or alcohol. So I, I've been taught um, exactly kind of to add on to what I already said is, uh, you know, whatever you're going through, it will pass. You know, and, and people go through a lot, you know, like, I mean, my dad passed away. I didn't think I'd make it through that, but I did. that passed. And I, I don't look at that experience the same way I did that day. So if, if you're going through a hard time, it'll pass. Not only that, to add to that, going back to like fear and like being scared, you should never feel that that's not even a real thing. That's always that, that, that kind of is derivative in your mind. It's not a real thing. It's something that we conjure up in our brains. So I, I the best advice I could give is don't let that kind of, take up too much space in your head and the way to combat fear and rejection is to do the action to do the footwork to show up to the job interview to show up for this or that and to just show up you know and be present and i think that's i don't want to without getting too preachy yeah that's the probably the best i could give them yeah, yeah. and if they review this podcast they'll know i'm not t full of shit because i've actually experienced these things and these tragic disappointments oh, yeah. and failures so i know is this the time to plug stuff yes please okay so definitely um i'm in another podcast with jeremiah watkins called scissor bros go to youtube.com slash scissor bros subscribe today i also do king of the sting um check that out um can i and then i have music as well i have my own podcast youtube.com slash stevie weeby my instagram handle is uh instagram.com slash q u a n G-O-U, Kwang U. And then I have um, my music. Most of my music's on uh, my Bandcamp, StevieWeebyBandcamp.com. I just put my latest project called uh, I Feel Stir Crazy on Spotify. So if you go on Spotify, awesome. type in Q-U-A-N-G-O-U. And not all of my albums on there, but the latest one is. I think I have three or four things up there. Awesome. And we do have Scissor Bros. Uh, can I plug this too? Some Scissor Bro dates. Yeah, this, please. Do. This will be the end of it. I have to write everything down. I'm old school, <laughs> so I got okay. this at Target. Um, we do have live <laughs> Scissor Bro events. So February third, we'll be at the um, Oxnard, um, and then February sixth, we'll be at the Irvine Improv. So and then I'll, and all the links will be on my. Um, instagram via my link tree okay thank you so much i hope this uh, i mean do you think people will like it oh yes i think they will 
Great to chat. Thank you again. Okay, no problem. Bye. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, what do you know, folks? We made it to the end. One of the longer podcasts, I'm sure. I'm sure it's one of the longer ones. Um, but I appreciate you for sticking around. I appreciate you for listening. And, and I am, yes, I may be the deadbeat dad of podcast hosts, but I promise we will make it through. I, I can't even promise there's going to be regular episodes. No, I, <laughs> I will do it. I will do it. I'm going to be unemployed soon, okay? So if anyone out there is listening wants to give me a job, you know, it's going to happen. You know, I, I'll, I'll be available. Um, but also, if I don't get another job, I'll be even more free to do this. And I'll be more motivated to do it because I'll probably need money from, you know, all the all the money I make from this podcast, right? It's lots of dollars. Maybe one, maybe two. Most importantly, I hope that you subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Subscribe to my YouTube. Um, go to my Instagram, follow me. Go to this at Stay Positive, Positive Instagram, follow. Follow, follow Stevie. He, he dropped his, um, he dropped his credentials, but I know off the top of my head that his Instagram is at Q-U-A-N-G-O-U, Kwangu, Um, go to those dates of shows. I also, uh, run a new stand-up comedy show that is in person. My rare ventures out into the world called Heat Wave, and it is at Silver Lake Lounge in Silver Lake, Los Angeles, California. And our next show is February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. So bring your boo or don't or dump them that day, the day after Valentine's Day, because you couldn't do it on Valentine's Day. That's that's horrible. But the day after at my show, yeah, I'll give you a pass. Uh, what else is fun? Watch the sex lives of college girls on HBO Max. And um, do yourself a favor. Download Candy Crush. I'm kidding. This isn't an ad for that, but I have been playing and I feel decades behind. I know this was like a trend and a joke many years ago, but personally what I've found is because I'm on social media so much, I was like, you know what? It's a muscle memory thing. I pick up my phone. I scroll through. Oh, everybody looks so beautiful and they're doing things. And I realized, you know what? Another version of that is I can just play a game and it's not quite the same social repercussions as social media. And I did. And you know, I like that. I like that. Because the thing is, I love TikTok, say, right? I also go on TikTok a lot. My TikTok feed's starting to get a little too serious, right? There's a lot of, I get a lot of stuff. I get a lot of stuff. And, and I, I understand why I do. I linger on it because I get angry by it. Ooh, here's, here's how this thing is racist. Oh, here's how this, this history of this is bad. And it's like, oh, yeah. I want to know. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think it's so good that those things are being learned. At the same time, I don't know if I need it. I don't know if I need it every day for four hours a day. You know what I mean? Because it's taxing on the brain. And so sometimes you do just need to swap a couple of candies, make a couple three in a row, get a couple candy bombs and maybe some some little candy candy sprinkles. Sometimes that is better, even though it's also equally addicting. So, so I, uh, I venture that, the lesser of two evils, you know. I venture, I challenge you that. And finally, um, finally, oh, ooh, this is a fun one. I'm on Cameo, Cameo.com, Cameo the app, you know. And I don't post it to my Instagram because I'm ashamed. I got a lot of shame, I got a lot of guilt, right. I'm ashamed because I think there's a certain thing with Cameo kind of comes off a little, uh, 
desperate, okay? <laughs> not to say that I'm not desperate. Oh, I'm desperate. But, I, uh, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Like, I'm lucky, man. I'm lucky. I got a job for a little bit longer. I, uh, you know, I, I save. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of things that I can fall back on, right? I'm privileged. Hashtag privileged, right? If, if everything fell away tomorrow, I could go live with my sister and her baby. And I would say, baby, you got to scoot over. You got to scoot over, baby. I got to take a part of this crib here. So because I have all those possible fallbacks, plan Bs, plan Cs, you know, I don't feel quite like Cameo gives off my necessarily, like I'm not like, oh, I need Cameo to make sure that I don't live in my sister's baby's crib. But at the same time, I love that. I love the concept of Cameo. I think it's really fun. I think the fact that like, you know, you might be in a jam for getting a gift, but what's such a fun personal gift than like a video from like somebody's favorite actor, sitcom actor or um, old thing. Oh, I was going through all the Harry Potter ones. There's like, you know, like Hagrid is on there and he's like so kind of cute, kind of old, right? He's like, he's like just very cute. And then there's like, you know, the guy is like, hi, I was, um, I actually played the voice of the hat in Harry Potter. You know, it's like people get, you're like, I don't even know if you're telling the truth, but I want to believe it. So I'm going to buy this. You know what I mean? There's dogs on there. I bought a dog cameo for my boyfriend once for Christmas. Um, not on cameo. It was on the dog's personal website because then they don't get fees, you know, so they get direct to direct to consumer, you know? Um, and yeah, I spent, I spent some good money on that dog's website. You bet I did. So what I'm saying is I'm on Cameo and though I'm not blasting on Instagram, I am on Cameo, right? And will I blast it on Instagram? Probably not. You know, I have people who follow me on Instagram who I kind of don't want to give the impression that I'm on Cameo. You know what I mean? I am sorry that I'm ashamed. Okay. That being said, I think it's a great service. Well, okay. Here's the real story. I had one guy first request when I was a little cheaper and it was, it sounded really weird. And he was like, it's like from... I don't even know. It was like from John to John. I was like, mm, these sound sounds like it's fake. And then it was like, oh, my friend John always talks to the movies. And can you make a cameo with yourself like covering his mouth, telling him to shut up? And just uh, just sound a little uh, sound a little sketchy, right? Don't know what that is. It definitely seems specific, and also maybe a little could be sexual. And I don't really want to do that. You know what I mean? So I declined that one. But then I got another one and it was like, it seemed like a very harmless birthday one. So I did it and it was very exciting. And I was like, oh, I hope it's good. And I was like, yeah, great. But then I got four stars out of five. And I feel like everyone, I was looking on Cameo, everyone has five stars. Like, what did I do wrong? But then I said, thank you for the birthday wish. So I don't know, maybe it was an accident or maybe his standards are really high. Anyway, so if you want to buy one and give me five stars, I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you want to give this podcast five stars, that would be great. All right, I talk a lot. I do. And, um... It's one of my, it's one of the reasons why I'm doing this again, to have a, a uh, bucket for my talking. Hmm. All right. Thanks everybody. Have a wonderful week and don't forget about stay positive.
Show the smile, motherfuckers! <laughs>